and welcome back to Cooking the Books with me, Jilly Smith, and a happy new year packed with foodie A-listers, taking us through the four food moments in their latest books. This week, we kick it all off with the most successful book in food publishing since records began, Pinch of Nom. But it is so surreal. Like, it doesn't feel like it's happening to us. It feels like sometimes, like, we're just stood here kind of watching it happen to someone else. And before we find out how two former restaurant owners from the Wirral made simple, healthy food accessible to millions of people who never learned to cook, a preview of a global meeting of superstar minds at this year's online version of the Oxford Real Farming Conference. Here's Programme Director Francesca Price. So we're really excited actually to go online this year because it means that we've been able to work with international partners from all over the world to programme over 150 talks. And we have 500 speakers from 80 countries, 18 time zones and nine languages. And amongst them, we've got people like Vandana Shiva, who's going to be talking, um, Anna Lappe from the US, Naomi Klein, who actually is going to be talking um, about her film, A Message from the Future, and talking about why it is so important that we get the food and farming system right. If we start to actually realise that the most important thing that we can be doing is having a relationship uh, with our food and with the land that it comes from, then we can start to get many, many other things right, from climate change to um, biodiversity, right down to the well-being of communities and even the empowerment of women. And that is what the conference is all about. Each week in January, we'll hear from the most inspiring speakers on food and climate in the world as we join the dots in an increasingly food-shaped world. And if you're listening before January the 13th, you can join me at the conference online at orfc.org.uk. Now, let's meet Kate Allenson and Kay Featherston, who have rocked the publishing world with what started as a Weight Watchers blog and became a triple whammy cookbook sensation. The latest in the series, Pinch of Nom Quick and Easy, smashing its way to the top of the charts with over 130,000 copies sold in its first week. But has their dizzying success changed them? People assume that when, at least this is what we've found so far, when things happen, like they've happened to us, that people are going to turn really lofty and just not be who they always were. And we're not. And it's really funny. It's like this... I, I don't really understand it. And I don't understand why people think that that happens to people, but it's really not happened. Like this morning when we found out about that thing... with it being this century I had to ask Kate and double check what a century was because it just doesn't feel very real at all like at all I mean actually it's only 20 years let's be honest but the better quote is since records began (laughs) to give it some context you know in just five weeks your last book sold 500,000 copies and then it passed the 1 million mark really quickly. Um, Everyday Light sold nearly 130,000 in its first week, knocking David Walliams from the top of the bestseller. This book has been out, what, a week? Where are we up to now? Yeah, a week today. A week today and 133,000 copies. It's it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of people saying, we want this. Do you know now, three books in, why? You are businesswomen. You owned a restaurant for a very long time. Kate, you were the head chef there. You're not, you know, sort of 
bloggers trying to find something to do with your life you are very successful women you know how to do this and you have absolutely hit upon something that a lot of people want to know more about do you know what that is yeah i I don't don't know really i think i think we've been really lucky because obviously Kay is like techie more technical than me and i kind of know I know enough about food to get by. (laughs) So is it the combination then of you knowing your food, you know how to take something, you're famous for your fakeaways, for example, Mm -hmm. you take a really good recipe that you know in your gastronomy Mm. circles, Kate, and then you make it really quick and easy. Um, And then Kay, you SEO the hell out of it, don't you? I mean, you're really good at keywords. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've done a lot with online. Obviously, it's where we are. Um, I'm one of those weird people that if they don't know how to do something, I'll read about it and I'll do nothing but read about it just to learn. Like everything that we've done from taking photos of food to creating our own videos, absolutely everything we've had to learn. Do you remember some of those first pictures? First pictures taken with the iPhone. You, use Vivid. Use Vivid. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the radioactive B&M soup, which was awful. <laughs> I think, like, we, we learned a lot. We had to learn a lot really quickly to just kind of... To make food look presentable is actually really... I mean, it's people's jobs. It's really difficult to do. I mean, at, at, at the beginning, there was, it was literally the two of us. So we had no option but to to learn how to do things ourselves. Yeah. I mean, now you do have a, a team. You, well, how many? Fourteen in your team now. Yeah, that's it's a few so more. So you've than got that. It's, lo- it's... you've got a marketing manager. Yes, marketing we do. Manager. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you know, I, but that doesn't stop the fact no. that this all came out of the two of you. Your blog was the most visited blog in the country, and presumably, it's it goes around the world as well, doesn't it? You've got a huge following in America too. Yeah, we've got, um, and especially in Canada. Um, Australia as well like it's not just here especially in Ireland I mean we can't we cannot forget them it's our second one in the table um yeah it's it isn't just here but it just feels so I don't want to say the word weird because I always say that in interviews but it is so surreal like Kate said before it doesn't feel like it's happening to us at all yeah. It feels like sometimes like we're just stood here kind of watching it happen to someone else. Out of body experience. Yeah. And it, yeah. For us it's it's just yeah, it's just it's really weird sometimes. Well, we'll find out, you know, what people love about your recipes and why when we go into your four food moments. But just before we do, just because so many people who listen to this show are content creators themselves, you know, what you do is actually you're constantly sort of recreating content aren't you yeah you know you're you're not actually making new stuff all the time you're you know and that's what people do with food it's very hard actually kate you know you'll you'll know this it's very hard to keep coming up oh, with yeah, new ideas yeah, and some of the best food writers do but actually that's not what you claim mm-hmm. to do at all we actually spend half of our time i think the majority of our time is actually spent marketing what we do actually telling people what we do whether that be posting to facebook to twitter i mean it's it's a task in itself to keep up with all the social media that there is now there's pinterest there's and it it takes it's it's a lot and that takes up 
quite a lot of work, but we're actually really good at recycling content yeah. and making it better. But that can be for a whole load of reasons, can't it, Kate? Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. sausage casserole that we, we now have in the most recent book, there's been about four different iterations of it because, you know, we've made it better or we've worked out that actually you don't need this. Maybe we were being a bit pretentious. Mm-hmm. Um, Because that does happen. Like what? Give us an example of what's pretentious about a sausage. (laughs) (laughs) I think in this first version, we added like some herbs and spices that Mm. really didn't need to be in there. All it needed was just a bit of garlic. We we sort of learned quite early on that what people want is sort of good home, home style cooking, like comfort food and things like that. Not sort of like things that they can make really easily. It's not that expensive, and things that the whole family can eat, like the kids yeah, and everything. Yeah. They don't have to do like two or three different meals for the whole family. Yeah. They can all just tuck oh, it into one, one meal. Yep. That is the key to it. I mean, I have to say, I, I almost did put a slow cooker on my Christmas list after looking at that um, sausage casserole. Um, and Kate, you say actually that this is what you wanted to do. You wanted to teach people to cook. I mean, it started with a Weight Watchers community of practice. It's it probably still is. It's a lot of people wanting to find out how to lose weight. But what you found is that what people want more is to learn how to cook. We were surprised um, when we first first walked into our first meeting. We were like, you know, a lot of people actually don't know how to cook anymore because you don't you don't learn it in schools now. You don't learn sort of like home ec in schools and the amount of people that and the questions that people were asking us was like things like can you freeze potatoes and things like that and we sort of realised that people people need, needed to start from the basics and yeah. a lot of the people that especially with the first book a lot of people it was the first cookbook they've ever bought and they've actually yeah. learned how to cook and learned the confidence to to sort of tweak a recipe and things like that and it's been yeah because because that's what we what we started out doing wasn't it just trying to help people sort of along the way to make things a bit easier for them and so for all your slugs and google gods and all that kind of stuff actually what you're doing is teaching what people really need Mm -hmm. which is how to cook really easy delicious food um i remember talking to rick miniaya who's got the fifth best-selling book with her uh, roasting tin series and that's what she does it's just Mm -hmm. really simple one tin delicious food with ideas from around the world i mean we we've we've seen comments from people that actually don't their families don't know they're trying to lose weight or eat more healthily and they they just sort of struggle on their own and that's that's what sort of where our sort of facebook group comes in where they sort of help each other through that yeah it's mm. usually important for people yeah. who think they can't afford to eat healthily, mm-hmm. who feed their kids junk food because they don't know how to cook. I mean, it is one of the most important things in the world, isn't yeah. it? To be mm-hmm. able to nourish the people who sit at your table, your family, yourself. It's it's huge, absolutely huge. Mm. Let's go let's go through your food moments. <laughs> I just got emotional there. Oh. <laughs> let's go to your food moments well Kate gosh this is going to be emotional as well this was the pork and apple tray bake your mum's it was yeah I, um, I lost my mum 
couple of years ago now, in January, maybe two years. Um, growing up, we always remember this meal, me and my sister. Um, my sister helps us develop recipes now. And she, she sort of came up with this, this one for the new book. Um, but years and years ago, we always used to have this dish. Um, it was really easy. Pork, pork steaks, chop some apple up, put that on top. Chop some onion up, put that on top of that, sprinkle some herbs over and put it in the oven and cook it slowly. And that, that was something that we used to have quite often when we were, when we were growing up. And I remember my mum telling us that she got the recipe from her mum off the radio. Bearing in mind that my, my nan my my passed away when I was about four. So this, is, this must be going back like 50, 60 years, this, this recipe that she'd heard on the radio. She wrote it down and then she used to cook it for obviously my, my mum. And then it, it's just sort of been passed down, this recipe. The best so, recipes always are, aren't they? Obviously, Lisa, my sister, she she said, "Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in in a book." So so we did. She she sort of made it a bit fancier with a few different things in it, and then now it's it's in the book. So my mum's old recipe is how lovely. It's famous. Oh, how lovely! <laughs> yeah. How does that feel? Um. It's quite strange, really, just because it's it's something that we've just grown up with, and we it's something we always had. Um, she passed yeah, away before all this really kind of took off, didn't she? Literally, the book came out in March, and she passed away in January. Yeah. She, we literally we we'd had some really good news that day, and her and Kate's dad stayed up to hear the good news and we basically we'd just gotten the deal for the second book and the first book hadn't even come out yet and she she stayed up to hear and they went to bed at like half 11 and yeah she she just didn't wake up the next morning and yeah it's she'd be so proud that that recipe is in this book like and it's it's just it's really sad that because she was Kate's cheerleader. I mean, if no matter what happened, honestly, Kate could have killed someone and she'd be stood there going, "But it's my daughter, and I'm so proud of her." And she she would be like, she'd be so proud, and it's just really sad that she hasn't she hasn't seen any of this. To be fair, and I think. I think you'll agree when I say this, Kate, that she wouldn't understand. No. <laughs> well, if you don't understand, she, she wouldn't understand. <laughs> she, she wouldn't understand. I remember um, explaining to her how the website worked and she, she did get it. But, I mean, there's just the scale of things. I mean, we really struggle to comprehend. And um, bless her. Like, I think, to be fair, it would have scared her. It scared the, the hell out of her. But, yeah, it's... it's well, except that if you break it down to that very simple thing that we're just talking about, you know, you, you've uh, you've been able to get a very simple message out yeah. to a hell of a lot of people who really need it. So what a fantastic legacy. Let's talk about 
crispy chili beef. Now, I'm really interested in this because I love Chinatown in Liverpool. Yep. It is the best place to be. It is quite astonishing, isn't it? Tell us about it. It's really funny. Um we we have a few friends who wondered why we were a bit obsessed with salt and pepper everything. And they thought it just meant a bit of salt and pepper on stuff. And we were like, no, 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 no. It's like, it's a section of the Chinese menu um, in restaurants up this end of the country um, where it's it's like chilli and it's peppery and it's five spicy. <laughs> and no, like, no one got this, did they, Kate? <laughs> and... Um, but anyway, like we we love Chinese food. It's a really big weakness. It's our favourite takeaway. It is our go-to. Like if we're celebrating, we'll get Chinese. Like it's it's just yeah. one of those things. And um, something that we love is crispy chili beef. And I think did I read how many calories were in this, Kate? And we were just like, what? Yes. <laughs> How many calories are in crispy chili beef? Well, in the original, yeah, from the Chinese, and we were. So before you do your fake away, you you check how many, and it's like, oh my god, how many calories is that? And then your job is to turn it into yeah. a pinch of nonsense. Exactly. Yeah. With what four hundred calories or something? Yeah, I don't think it's even that. Really? Like it was honestly, there's like over a thousand recipes that swim around in our heads. Yeah, so difficult yeah. to keep a track. Let's have a look. So this one, so this is three hundred and forty nine calories yeah, under four. I thought it was. So go on then. How? How did you do that? Go on, Kate. You've got this one. The easiest way for fakeaways is you you just take out all the fat. You use a spray oil that you um, use a lot less of it, um, and then <laughs> basically a lot. Yeah, a lot of. A lot of Chinese meals are basically just veg, stir fried veg anyway, yeah. with your with your meat or your fish or whatever. And, and so you just sort of look, take out the bad things and replace them with something yeah, a bit which better. Is, which is oil. In, in many of your um, recipes, it's yeah. just oil, isn't mm-hmm. it? And not lots of sugar. Yeah. And we bulk out everything with quite a lot of veg as well. So so it's eat, you're eating a lot more of the yeah. the good stuff rather yeah. than... The stuff that's Bad maybe stuff. not quite so good for you. Yeah. Tell us about pizza pasta. This is your third food moment. <laughs> so if, on, the, the, if this is case, what <laughs> if if I went to a desert island and Kate, if I asked you if I went to a desert island, what would I pick? What would I take with me? Pasta. It would be pasta. Honestly, I love pasta, um, but we also love pizza because who doesn't like pizza? Um, and we came up with a bit of a faddy version of this. See, because this is actually a really good example of us being faffy and a bit chefy and then just pairing it back. Um, and we came up with this rigatoni pizza pie where you have to stand all the rigatonis up on the, the, the end and then fill it with passata. And, oh, my God, people just don't have time to do that. I, I didn't like it was a bit of a faff. So we're like, well, could we just come up with, like, marinara sauce, mix it through the pasta, there's your base, and then just top it with cheese and whatever topping you want. Because that way, people can have, like, they can own their own part of the dish. It's a fantastic idea, but 390 calories, again, how? Ace. It's veg. I mean, it's it's mainly veg. It's passata and chopped tomatoes is the bulk. Um, with your allowance of pasta per person. and But even then, like... Bit of 
lower fat cheese, so not the full fat stuff, I mean, they're only taking, what, 10, 20% of the fat out of it. It's not like, I wouldn't call it diet cheese at all. Um, and then whatever toppings you want. And because it's so little on the top, you don't really notice it not being lots. Okay, the sausage casserole, we're going to have to wait for a bit and I'm going to have to try this one because <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's genius. It's absolutely genius. And you could have millions of iterations. You could basically use whatever's in your fridge with a bit of pasta and a bit of cheese on top. Mm-hmm. You've even got some lovely little basil leaves on there as well and making it look pretty pretty. Exactly. So we have a bet with each other, see what's going to be the most popular recipe each time a book comes out. I won the first time. (laughs) Which was what? Um, Creamy garlic chicken, which to this day, if I close my eyes, that's all I can see because that's all that was on the Facebook group. And But this time around, it is pizza pasta. The... If I go to the Facebook group and scroll through the pictures, all I'll see is pictures of the pizza really? pasta. Yeah. We've had people putting meatballs in it, people putting chilli in it. But it, it's like small little steps that people can learn to just tweak a dish yeah. and make it their own, which is not a confidence that they had before they tried yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's absolutely genius. <laughs> the sausage casserole, go on. Kate, this is another one of your mum's. It is. It's another one that we used to have quite often. Um, just sausages in a <laughs> tomato and vegetable sauce. That's literally. <laughs> but it's a slow cook, um, and therefore the it's smell a slow cooker. Yeah. The house. Everybody yeah. coming in and sitting down. Yeah, it's one of those things you can just dump in the slow cooker in the morning and just leave it, and then you come in from work or whatever at the end of the day, and it's ready and when you open the door you can smell it coming through the door that's what we sort of remember about the sausage casserole when we we were growing up and i think that you've made a really important point you know going back to why people don't cook for their families a lot of them didn't grow up in families that had that kind of gorgeous smell Mm -hmm. like bisto kids you know kind of engaging people in food loving food you know and if it's not there when you're growing up it's really difficult to try and make those memories as a grown-up especially for your own kids and your own Mm -hmm. family um so yeah so a lot of these recipes are about making gorgeous smells in the house and making that an experience as well it's not Mm -hmm. just about it it's so not about losing weight is it no i think it's it's kind of like it's become the secondary thing now i think it's become for for us it's become more about doing dishes that kind of cut the corners with the calories but still things that the family will enjoy like not just you um, I was reading comments the other day, um, a review of the book uh, that a lady had sent to me. And she was saying that my husband sat there and picked out what he wanted to eat. And he had no clue that it was like, that it was lower in calories. He just really liked the pictures and he really liked the sound of the food. And that's what it is for us. It's just, it's just, it's teaching people how to cook but it's to give them that confidence because it's been one hell of a year this year it has not been a nice year i mean we could to produce a cookbook in lockdown yeah there was nearly no book at one point um oh that was no not fun um uh, for instance um most of what we do goes through our team of taste testers 
We have 200 people in the community that we've selected to be our secret squirrels and they taste test everything. And the lockdown happened. And the lockdown happened just as we were starting to work on the recipes, didn't it? And we couldn't ask people. Like, we felt... We asked them, actually, and they were like, no, still give us them. And we were like, no, we can't ask you to go and buy ingredients that you wouldn't otherwise because there was hardly anything on the shelf at that point. Mm-hmm. And we are doing the... F- we just didn't want to put the pressure on people to have to go yeah. out and try and find ingredients when, when you couldn't even get toilet rolls off in the supermarket. It was so point. bad. And then there was yeah. doing the shoot. We did the shoot remote. Um, the publisher had never done before. So that was fun. Yeah, just doing it in a pandemic is extraordinary it's insane but also Mm. like we just helping the amount of people that we've helped as well during the pandemic because people couldn't get ingredients or they were subbing ingredients with other ingredients because they couldn't get pasta um and like trying to help people through that has been really difficult but we've enjoyed it I think in a in a way like we've enjoyed being so active. Mm. I think it's just the amount of the most amount of active that we've been ever yeah. with our community. But well, a lot of people have said that. I mean, it's really fantastic. I do a lot of work with the Food Foundation, and I've got a series of podcasts out, Right to Food podcasts, all about the food banks that have come out, and people yeah. love helping other people. And people yeah. who go to the food banks are finding community and friendship and ideas and recipes and are being taught to cook just fair while they're picking up their parcels it's been phenomenal the other lockdown phenomenon puppies tell us about mildred <laughs> so mildred was planned she's been planned for a while now um and weirdly we actually got from somebody that we met via our facebook group um she was actually one of our one of the first members of our facebook group she was in the first 50 members of the facebook group it's incredible her name's also Kay, and she's lovely and yeah, so um, little Mildred has been keeping us up. Although not so much up, actually. She's been a little angel. She's a little golden Labrador angel, isn't she? she she's, she's the sweetest beautiful. puppy I've ever seen on Facebook. She's she's so clever. She's. I was saying to Kate, I was like, is this how parents feel about their children? Because I'm so proud of her. Yeah. I'm so proud that she can do down and sit. Yeah. And that she comes and that she leaves, although I'm not so proud when she tries to bite my hand because she's teething. Um, But, oh, we just love her, don't we? So I obviously have to ask, you know, a week into your new book, I presume you're already writing the next one. Yeah, so we're about to submit the next one. It's the focus for this one? The next one is um, the planner. So it's the planner that, uh, that goes hand in hand with this book. Um, so there'll be another 26 recipes in that book, um, in the planner, some really nice quotes. Um, and yeah, it's just a way that people can plan and track and what they've eaten, what they're going to eat next week. Are you dealing with waste in that? I noticed that you do batch cooking in this one, which deals with, with waste. But waste is one of the biggest impacts on the planet. It's one of the biggest yeah. issues. It's the reason why people fill their wheelie bins up. Yeah, um, yeah we... Like, we we incorporated the batch chapter um, in the last book in Everyday Light. Um, and it's something that we... I mean, we've got a whole... It's one of the biggest sections on our website. Um, and it's, it's more so out of people... If there's an offer on a particular ingredient, people want to be able to do different things yeah. with it, but also to cook for the freezer. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of people that cook five portions and put one away, so... 
when they're really busy, they've got something to fall back on instead of picking up the phone and ringing the takeaway. But I think that, you know, if you're once you're teaching people to cook, once they've got those basic skills, that's when they can tackle the back of the fridge. Definitely. And it's, it's mm-hmm. just having that confidence to know kind of what to do with things. Yeah. Um, but again, like it's it's another way that the Facebook group comes in handy. Yeah. We have people that come to us or they'll email us. They'll email Kate or I and ask like, I've got this, what can I make with it? And we'll always reply to them. Like people have got access. They can they can ask whatever they want. <laughs> um, although we've we've had a lot of puppy questions recently. So <laughs> I bet you have. Well, there you go. Book five, Pinch of Knobs Saves the Planet. How about that? Um, We'll leave that to you, ladies, because you can speak to more people than anyone can. Um, You're doing great work. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Like, it's an honour. Like, yeah, it is an honour. Thanks for listening. You can buy Pinch of Nom quick and easy and all the books featured on Cooking the Books by clicking on the bookshop tab at jillysmith.com. And while you're there, do sign up for the newsletter for loads more stuff happening in the new year. Next week, we're taking a moment in Beda's kitchen to look at food, mood and mental health as we head towards Blue Monday. I'll see you then. <laughs>